This episode is brought to you by RLD Group. On a mission to reboot leadership drive, eradicate burnout in tech, and help transform technical experts lacking people leadership skills from being a company's biggest liability into their greatest asset. Leaders in tech are burning out at an absurd rate. Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury is a no BS conversation with a female executive who spent over 25 years in Silicon Valley. If you're suffering from the always on, never good enough, we'll replace you today machine called the tech space. This show will help you reboot your leadership drive. Here's Lisa. Are you ready to reboot your mindset, your thoughts, your relationships, uh, honestly, even how you get work done? Today's episode's for you, whether you are a CEO, a board member, a frontline manager, and you're feeling overwhelmed in the world that we know it today, which is brittle, anxious, nonlinear, and incomprehensible, the only thing you can really count on is yourself, right? Regulating yourself is going to be key to showing up as your best in all of the decisions you need to make, the meetings that you're in, and the relationships that you choose to be in. So today, we have an amazing guest who's going to help us really look through the lens of not only self-compassion, because I know, well, personally, the judge in my head is always large and in charge. So always trying to get back to center and also compassion for others. And through the lens of well-being, especially in cybersecurity, uh, Rochelle Neiman is here today. And I'm so glad you're here, Rochelle. Oh, I am so excited to be here as well. Oh, okay. So can I just got to give inside scoop for anyone listening right now. I met Rochelle in a breakout room at an event. And we had, we were doing what was called a paired interview. And we were both talking about our highest hopes for the future. And the reason I'm telling you this is that a lot of times, especially with this return to work effort right now, people feel like you can't build relationships over Zoom. And I am here to say, I disagree. I think the way that the questions are asked and those events are facilitated is what can really bring hearts straight in. And so Rochelle and I met in a breakout room and I knew we had to work together. And I knew I wanted more of what she was just doing, being around her energy, her space, her thoughts. Um, Rochelle, it is such an honor to have you here because I want to share you with everybody. I, I just, you had such a profound impact on me personally and on all the work that we do together. Today, I really feel like we should help our listeners get some of that magic. And I believe it's magic. Do you believe it's magic? <laughs> I do believe it's magic. And I, I remember that day easily in my head, even though it was quite a while ago. And I just remember also being in that breakout room thinking there's something here and that I knew in the future that we would be working together. And um, I had the patience to just let that unfold how it did. And I'm super glad that it did because the work that we're doing really inspires me and helps me be my best self in this space. Okay, so I just want, you know, when you're listening and thinking about it today, you all have spidey sense. Like one of the things we have to really work on as leaders is developing our intuition, following our gut instinct, really paying attention to when we get the goosebumps or this knowing, right? For me, I knew how I felt when I was around you, Rochelle. I was like, I feel really seen. I feel heard. I feel appreciated. And just the exchange we had, which was like three questions. I mean, this is the craziness and the beauty of when you really have the right questions, magic can open up, right? So when I think about the leaders in tech right now and back-to-back -back meetings and running around with so much pressure and uncertainty and not even knowing when the next COVID wave's coming or when someone's going to need to quarantine, 
um, what you what you bring to us so much in so many ways is this like calm self-assurance, this this inner compass of knowing it's going to be okay. And I'm wondering if I might just ask you to share, you know, how is that possible for you? Like, what is your practice to show up for meetings, to support large events, to design amazing programs, which is you do all of that with us um, and on your own too, but what's your process to get grounded in yourself first? Like, what can people learn from right now? Um. I personally have done a lot of self-discovery work and a lot of those questions that I, you know, I'm doing it right now. I'm asking, what can I notice of what's going on in my body? And then not how do I respond to that, but how do I not respond to that? And so it's that balance of noticing and then understanding where to give the energy and the attention to. I grew up with a lot of anxiety. And it was always just automatic reactions. The fear just built upon itself and I reacted to it. I responded to the anxiety within me. And so through that self-discovery process, I've learned to just sit in whatever is happening in my body and let it be okay that it's there. And so there's are, are a lot of grounding practices I do, but my favorite is six deep breaths. It's easy, it's accessible, it can be done anytime in a meeting while you're talking to somebody. It's just taking a moment to pause and take six deep breaths to kind of reset my physiology and bringing me back to the present moment. And that's um, one of the things that I practice deeply in um, all of, I try to, in all of my, um, how I show up with people is really being present to that situation. So minimizing distractions elsewhere. So I don't have to be pulled to something else. So I don't have to make that decision that my attention needs to go somewhere else. So minimizing those distractions around me really helps me be present with what's in front of me. Mm. Okay. So I really want to unpack that for a second, because I'm sure many people listening, you know, our clients, they're already used to seeing you because we do a lot of work together, right? Mm -hmm. And we do the introductions about how we leverage our strengths and you help basically make sure that all the experiences are awesome. And that's very high pressure and ever changing and very rapid. And so even the six deep breaths you're talking about, I'm super curious because I don't always see you do them. And I'm thinking to myself in meetings, sometimes I might get away with three breaths, at least back in my, my days in corporate, right? Even now, honestly, even in relationship with my husband, too many breaths, almost signals I'm stressed out and you're overwhelming me. And then it, people take it personally. You know, I don't know if you've ever found that, but I'm not even always noticing you doing these breaths, but you are always so calm. So is there for the, for the people listening that are like, oh my gosh, if I even breathe, people are going to think I'm already like triggered and I don't want them to see it or know it or be it. Um, I think it's really important to just invite people into what is possible. And I have a feeling you have some, I don't know this. I mean, I'm literally just speaking from my heart. Do you have a secret way of like doing these breaths so that it's not so publicly seen? Um, well, I was doing deeper breaths as you were asking me that question. <gasps> I knew it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. This is so important. Okay. So on the video, you want to watch what just happened, but talk <laughs> us through it because I think that's really important. It's not <sighs> calming down. <sighs> you know, that's not what I ever experienced. I always experience like a very Zen feeling when I'm with you. Mm -hmm. So what is it like to take six deep breaths and not get, I'm going to put air quotes on this, get caught doing it. <laughs> 
Um, and you know, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. So you really have to figure out what works for you. And it does take practice. Like a lot of times we can start focusing on our breathing and then we're not listening anymore to what's going on. So there is a practice of letting it become automatic. And it's just, I'm giving just enough attention to my breathing that it's a little bit deeper while I'm able to still focus on um, what's being presented in front of me. And so that I think has um, taken a lot of practice to get to, but it's also discovering what works for you and then like staying diligent to that. And maybe maybe you only get in a couple of breaths and maybe that was enough and that's okay too. But it's just enough to kind of ground you and center you in the moment while remaining present. I really appreciate that. When I think about my own journey of self-discovery, even in leadership, let's just, I'll just put the bumpers on that. Just that one lane of how self-regulation and self-management, even of the thoughts I have, the the physical experience I'm having, the more in tune I got um, after I had my massive burnout, right? That's when I really started to understand my body more and my thoughts, pay attention to the, you know, what they call the saboteurs or the judges, the gremlins, whatever label you want to put on them. Um, and I feel like when we work with our clients, one of the greatest gifts we give them is presencing that that's normal. Do you know, like the work Mm -hmm. that I've done with you, with our clients, the work that I see you do on your own in your own business too. um, There's such a gift in just presencing that you're not alone. Like you shared, I've lived with anxiety most of my life, right? I talk about my burnout situation and what that's like. And I feel like there's a huge gift in normalizing this process. And that when we look at this incomprehensible world that we're in right now, I go back to where I started, which is that managing ourselves and regulating ourselves really is where it starts because you can't be the leader you want to be in your life or at work when you're not in tune with yourself. And I think for a lot of people, um, it's compartmentalized, especially in tech when you're, you're rewarded, recognized, and appreciated for solving technical issues you know, that's a part of your genius. Um, And I know you work in cyber, right? So you see what's going on in cyber specifically as well. And I'm wondering what the invitation might be to not compartmentalize, like to make it safe for people to realize that compartmentalizing is, yeah, in the moment you might have to triage things, but if you don't make a date with yourself and go process it later, it, it has ramifications that are far-reaching and actually scary (laughs) when you think about the medical impact, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious on your thoughts on that when it comes to just this belief that I'm just going to handle it later, but it never gets handled. Like, what are some things people could do right now if they are compartmentalizing and they know the weekend's coming up or, you know, one evening, what are some of your best practices that you do to just Um, move through things in smaller amounts rather than letting it build up and be in the emergency room like I did? Um, I think there are a lot of practices available um, today, and there's a lot of information out there um, today that people can use as resources, which is a beautiful gift for us all. But I think a lot of the practices I have used, um, especially with ruminating thoughts, I can get thoughts that circle in my head for a long time, but writing them down Um, especially when I didn't feel safe to share them with anybody, writing them down was kind of my go-to for a long time. 
And um, what that does is it at least gets it out of my head so I don't have to circle around it um, anymore. And so it kind of moves, helps alleviate some of the energy that I was using to think about it, to get it out of my system. Um, that is one uh, meditation has been another, which I know can be really uncomfortable to start that kind of practice, but I've learned so much about myself and the deep um, thoughts that I had about myself or beliefs that I had about myself that I didn't see at the surface level. But if I sat in, you know, silent meditation for a period of time, those those um, beliefs would surface and it would be like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that I believe that about myself, but it makes a lot of sense on how that has changed, how it, that correlates to my behaviors. And so then I can do things to correct them. So however we can build awareness of um, ourselves, our thoughts, our feelings, mm -hmm. then we can do something about it. Because when we have the language and the awareness to do something about things, and that's why I think talking about it is so important. And like, I've read a lot of books. That's where I got a lot of my initial self-discovery work is when we have the language then and the awareness, then we can do something differently to change our situation. I'm just thinking right now when you say that, I'm thinking about programming language. This is where my head went, right? I've been, I've been in tech my entire life. I'm like, we're really talking about your operating system and either downgrading or upgrading some part of it through language and through noticing and through being present with yourself. And what I thought was so interesting when you were talking about writing it down, I instantly thought about like bug fixes you know, we file in, in tech, you know, you know, you file, you, you write something into the design team and they go and fix things. And I'm not going to label it because each company calls it something different, but it's a bug fix. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these rumor, the thoughts, the judge, all of this stuff that goes on that keeps us compartmentalized, it literally can be fixed with um, re rewiring your code or upgrading your operating system. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's no joke. We're really talking about the computer that is our brain and how everything works through energy. And this is, I'm going to give you a formal introduction because I think it's really important. And I think that one of the things that is going to land for people is this is going to tie it together. So Rochelle Neiman is a guide, a writer, and an exchange facilitator focused on cultivating environments to support self-discovery and well-being. Like that's what you do. And that's how we work together. We met through an organization called Exchange. We are both exchange guides, right? We know what it's like to unlock heads and hearts at speed and scale. And we work together to do that. And I think my experience of you in that very beginning, especially not knowing me, um, was so inspiring that I could have that type of conversation in a place where um, our hearts and our heads could unlock at the same time. And I would love to, to take this, when we're talking about our operating system, and take it through the, the, the lens of exchange that you and I both have in common on how words create worlds and questions unlock hearts and create connection. So is there a question that you ask yourself or that you um, know works for others? Because maybe your own question is personal for you. I don't want you to feel like you have to share like things that are working for you that are private. But is I know you know this because you help me with question design all the time. So let me just say, what question would you invite people to reflect on when it comes to compartmentalizing or not presence, being present with themselves and having these, these thoughts that make them feel like I'm not good enough or they're going to figure out I messed up or I don't know what I'm doing, how am I leading this team or 
you know, how are we going to innovate the next whatever when everybody's quarantined and nobody wants to come to work? You know, all of these thoughts that are um, depreciative in nature. What's a way to, um, what question comes to mind for you to help a leader look at it through a different lens? Um, a couple things come up for me when you <clears throat> ask that question. And one question that I love is what can I notice about this? Or no, what can I notice about myself in this? Or what can I notice about my reaction to this? And it's really um, opening up with um, being open, curious, and kind with yourself when you're asking that yourself that question. So it's not, what can I notice? And then getting really down on yourself. It's what can I notice to move through this? What can I notice that can give me more information? And so remaining open, curious, and kind with the self is really important when we're asking those questions. But also the way we ask questions as um, we learn in exchange creates different answers for us. So oftentimes we'll ask the question, why do I always end up here? Well, our brain automatically starts looking for the answer to that. And so we end up in this cycle of why do I always end up here? And if we change the way we're asking the question to make it more generative, so we can ask, how do I do this differently? Or how can I look at this a different way to change the end result? That's more of a generative question that's gonna lead your brain in a different direction so that you can come to a different solution rather than ending back up in that cycle. So really looking at it of how you can change the behavior, look at the outcome you're wanting to get to and figure out how to ask the question, the appropriate question to get to that desired outcome can really change the trajectory of any situation, really. Right? I mean, any situation, any situation. It's so interesting because I was um, doing some work with my business partner who was also my spouse, right, Randy. And we were doing some things and our working styles are different. I'm a quick start. I jump right in. He's a long line fact finder. He wants all the data. And sometimes there's not a lot of time during the day and we're also married, right? So it's, it's extra complicated. And I could feel some tension bubbling for us, you know, through body language and breathing. And I literally had to scan and go, what's going on, right? How might I lean into this? Um, when, and then I also started going, when have we worked through tension in the past? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what works for us? And then it just dawned on me, like in the moment, and I do this for a living, Right. But when you're with your spouse and you have these moments, um, I was like, oh, this is a working style thing. Like it's not personal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think I did all those questions very rapidly and quickly because I scanned and I could feel I could feel my frustration bubbling and I could see it on him. And I started thinking and I said to him, you know, we do this for a living. And so I feel like this is a constant practice. Like this is a mindfulness practice to constantly be in relationship with yourself. And I think for some leaders, that feels like it's a lot. Like it's too much. Why can't I just be do it my way? I'm the boss, do it my way. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, when I think about like the style of asking ourselves questions and um, really leaning into the idea of uh, asking questions with open, open, curious and kindness, it's a way of being for me. And so it's not something I just do in my work. It's something I practice deeply every single day and it's a part of me. And so if we can reframe the, 
the idea of self-discovery as this is just another thing I have to do. Mm -hmm. It's really like creating an invitation for ourselves of how do I step into who I want to be or how do I step into the person I want to show up as in this moment and how do I create the environment or the energy that will allow for that and not necessarily compartmentalizing it as like I have to show up this way at work and I have to show up this way at home but like how do we integrate our human selves into our own lives like how do we become human <laughs> and accept ourselves as human in every aspect of our lives and being okay with who we are where we are when we are you know when you were talking one of the things that was happening for me is i was actually thinking about some of our the work we do with our clients and we meaning you and i like cuz mm -hmm. we are partners and we do a lot together and thinking about watching these ahas. I, I was literally, it was like, I was watching a movie for a minute. It was so interesting when you were talking about that, because I see our clients going in that path. We see them regularly decide as teams and individuals, how do we be human at work? And they're, they're so inspired by each other's awareness and ahas. I think that's what was happening for me as I was listening to you, because yeah, this isn't okay, between 12 and one, I'm going to go assess where I'm at and did one to two, I'm back in a meeting. It's like, oh, wait a minute, your body's going with you, your heart, <laughs> your mind, your soul, right? Your dreams. Um, and so remembering that we are human in tech, I think mm -hmm. is essential. And that it also can give us the curious kind, open, curious and kind approach to others too. Because there's lots of silos that go on right? It's like, well, finance didn't pay it on time. So now we got to do this or IT didn't upgrade us. Now we got to do this or R&D's giving me crap stuff or the sales team isn't hitting their numbers, right? Instead of we, the, the system, right? How might the system operate better? How might we be open, curious, and kind? So then the question, even when you're blaming, I think your question goes back to what can I notice right now, right? And where might I... <clears throat> spend my time and energy? <laughs> I guess yeah. that's a question I would ask, you know, what's a, what matters most? I think you and I've landed on that question a lot. What matters most right now mm -hmm. and where we're, what we're seeing is relationships. I mean, that's really how you get your system at work to work is through relationships. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Am I tracking? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So I want to get your um, insight on something else. So you and I have done a lot of strengths render workshops together. Mm -hmm. a ton. And we both um, infuse in our workshops, awakening conscious leadership principles, pause, notice, and choose, breathing, um, stress management, even defining stress. And we also look through the lens of strengths because when you work from strengths, you're actually already starting from a place of, put it in air quotes, strength, right? But power um, and energy. And I'm curious, what inspires you about that work as we're working with our clients? I mean, you see a lot of different teams and dynamics playing out. And every time we're done, we're both like, that was so awesome. What is it about that work that inspires you? Well, seeing leaders have these type of conversations and allow themselves to be human with each other is really inspiring for me because that's going to create a ripple effect. I believe they're going to take that back to their teams and hopefully invite their teams and that humanness to come forward. And I think for a long time, it's 
we've had this conformity of you keep your personal life at home and then you keep your work life at work, but our work lives have become the majority of our lives in a lot of senses. And so to keep that compartmentalized is uh, detaches us from ourselves essentially. So we feel like we have to be a different person at work, which I don't think serves us as humans. We don't get to be our best, most authentic selves at work. And so I'm really inspired to see these leaders show up and be vulnerable and show their human selves to each other so that they can experience what that, you know, feeling and belonging and inclusion feels like so that they can take that back to their teams and it can ripple out to their whole organizations, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm inspired by that so much. You know, it's interesting when we think about how you and I do this together, we play to our strengths. Right, we, we literally design together. We decide who's gonna do each part. We design the questions, the flow, we go back and forth a lot. And I, I think that walking the talk is what, it's a reminder to me of how important it is because of what we get to do together all the time. And if I were to add one thing about the inspiration through my own lens with these teams, is like they're really hungry for connection. Mm -hmm. And they really want to not blame each other. They really want a high operating um, strength-based team. Like they're, they're always coming to us like, hey, we need to connect. And we, and I always say, well, let's connect you on something that's going to move the business too, right? Because what we're not talking about is your deep, dark secrets of your family life or the fight you had with your spouse or it, that's not what we're talking about. And I think a lot of leaders feel like, well, if I get personal or authentic, um, I'm going to be seen as weak. Right. And what I'm seeing when they're sharing based on the questions we design based around the business is they are bringing their whole selves in and they're not seen as weak. It's actually inspiring others. Like I remember one um, senior leader saying we were talking about um, when are you at your best and when are you at your worst, just in general, how do you show up so people would know. And he was talking about how he had had like four senior leaders on his team had left the company and the rest of the people in the room or his peers didn't know that. And that he was just hanging on. And they were all like, oh my God, if I had known, I would have leaned in or not asked for this or could have helped you. And in that moment, it was like everyone, everyone rising because the leader was vulnerable enough and confident enough in this team to say, yeah, I'm drowning. And all of them go, if I had known, right? And it was that I think stands out for me on a level I don't even know how to articulate because most of the time we want to act like we got it together. No matter what, we'll figure it out you know, nights and weekends, we'll change the time we're sending emails. So people can't tell it's really midnight. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're superhuman. And then people expect that, but it's not even real. And this leader was like, yeah, it's not working. And I got my number one priority is to fill these wrecks so we can really sustain and thrive. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to presence that. I do you remember that moment. I do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 It's wild. Um, can you tell me something about Something about you that we don't know, even me, like something you want to just presence that would inform us on how you show up and who you are and what matters to you? Um, I think something that I've noticed um, throughout a long time, but it's becoming more present to me now is how much I desire appreciative feedback and you are excellent at providing that. And when I don't have to question whether or not my work is being appreciated, it um, 
it allows me to support at a higher level because my energy isn't going toward like what am I not doing this right do am I doing what they want am I showing up in a way that's supportive I can use that energy to elevate how I'm showing up because I know that I'm serving you in the best level so like getting that feedback um, mm -hmm. I think it has been helping of me to um, show up as my my truer self um, because oh, that wow. energy is going towards serving rather than questioning. Right. Yeah. It's like, where's the best use of your energy? Okay. First of all, thank you for letting me know I'm good at it. Um, one of my love language is words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So at work, my work love language is words of affirmation, right? Um, the simplest thing, good job, or wow, that was amazing. Or you crushed it, or you rocked it, or I'm inspired. Like all those words really matter to me. And I I don't know if this is good or bad, or maybe it just is. Let me just invite that it just is. Mm -hmm. I like to do that for anybody I work with. I like to presence my appreciation and I'm a very reflective person. And so I'm thinking about the leader right now who doesn't realize that there's someone they're working with that has that love language or that appreciation language and how much energy they could actually unleash for the person or free up in the background programming's running. Is it good enough? Did I hit the mark? Was it okay? Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. so I think it's an invitation for everyone to pause and jot down someone who you either work with or love that did something amazing that you haven't presenced your appreciation for and just make a note and do that. Like, I think there's an invitation there in what you just shared mm -hmm. because your example is, it's very profound to me when I think about the energy, do you want it spiral? spiraling down and spinning down of what if or what could or is that good enough versus hey this was amazing or or and sometimes we've had hiccups and I'll be like hey guess what that part doesn't matter this does mm -hmm. right I mean the other day we you and I had a situation and I was like yep bonnie world brittle anxious non-linear <laughs> and incomprehensible because that just <laughs> happened right yeah and I feel um really grateful for you to presence that because I think it's a gift for every leader and honestly every person listening whether you lead a team or not because we're so busy doing that sometimes just slowing down to really understand what that appreciation language is for the people that you're leading and loving. It's a huge gift. Has that been true for you your whole life? Has that always been your language? Words of affirmation and appreciate appreciation? I, I can't say for sure because I don't think I had enough experience with it um, for a long, a long time. So I know this is something that has become present to me at least in the last five years or probably even longer than that, probably my entire working career. Um, I have been very responsive and done the best when I have received that appreciative feedback. Definitely. And it's, um, I also want to hear what needs to be corrected and like level setting of expectations. If I'm not serving, I want to know that too. But also knowing what I'm doing well has really helped me. That's so interesting. When I think about just like the simplest things, right? So want to help people have more energy, go ask them, you know, what energizes you? How do you like to receive feedback? Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear what is great first? And then we work on what we fix. I mean, in my mind, that's like a deposit in the energy bank. Mm -hmm. um, would you rather just get straight to what the issues are? And then I can compliment you after, but really getting to know each person I think is important. And one of the things you and I did, I'm recalling it now, when we started working together is we had those conversations, you were very explicit with me about, Hey, I want to do a great job. So you need to tell me if I'm not right on whatever project we're working on. And I also like to hear what, what's going well. And I think 
because of all of the work we do from appreciative inquiry and positive psychology, it's just kind of natural for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it wasn't always. And there were definitely times when I would, you know, anyone who has restorative in their top five on strengths finders, you're looking for problems, right? There's a lot of restorative in tech. And so reminding the restorative in you to also find the appreciation or the positivity, um, you can balance that. And I'm also thinking about how many um, people in tech have that high responsibility, right? They take psychological ownership, which is what I'm hearing you talk about, which is like, I own whatever is mine and I will see it through. Just because you have responsibility doesn't mean it's not nice to hear what you did great. Yeah, for sure. And reminder. Yeah. And even when we're not used to uh, sharing appreciation, it can be uncomfortable at first, but the more that we share it, the more that we practice it, it becomes a lot easier through the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think about, you know, everything that RLD group does, whether it's a webinar or one-on-one coaching, um, a large scale engagement where we're doing multiple things inside orgs, like system change, we always make sure to build in gratitude and appreciation into every cycle. And I find that when I talk about it, whenever I'm facilitating, I'll just speak to my own experience. It's almost like I have to tell people why it's important. So I feel like they'll really do it, right? Like, hey, the reason we're asking you, so we'll do like, you know, we do the paired interviews or the small groups and we'll say, share your thoughts. And then the other people express gratitude or appreciation for what was shared. And then I say something like, the reason that matters is someone just was bold enough and courageous enough to share things. And that's helping them be seen, heard, and feel valued, right? And that's really the basis of inclusion. And so I like do these things, right? And they're like, oh, really? Like fascinating. Then they go and do it. And then we ask them, how did that feel? And everyone's like, that felt great. Like, I didn't know I could connect so fast. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a superpower, like a, um, a super energizer, um, a gift in appreciation and gratitude. I just thought I'd present that with what you're saying, because I think that's a really important message. So when you're doing work with your clients and you're helping them even do this for themselves, because I think it goes back to kindness, openness, and curiosity, is there um, an invitation for the listener right now about appreciation or gratitude for themselves? You always help me with this one. Uh, I think sharing it with ourselves is most important. Um, Number one, we should always um, be grateful to ourselves and share that um, consciously with ourselves, which can be challenging. Especially I had a a really uh, nasty inner critic for a long time, and I didn't even recognize a lot of the things that my inner critic was saying to me. And so it was layers of... um, uncovering all of those messaging and then being open, curious and kind with yourself. And that's, you know, the practicing of self-compassion and having compassion for all parts of ourselves. A lot of times we'll be like, oh, you know, my my shadow side, my darker side or this part of me, I don't like, I don't appreciate it because it brings up a lot of things. But when we open up that compassion to that part of ourselves, it's inviting that part of ourselves back to us because we're all one, right? We're, if we're neglecting one part of us, we're neglecting a part of ourselves. And so to invite that part of us in and um, relate to it in appreciative and compassionate way, it changes our inner relationship completely. And I may have gone off on a tangent, 
there. No, but, I think um... really yeah. Yeah. It actually made me think of um, when I had my first executive coach, the first book they had me read was Taming Your Gremlin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you read that one? I haven't. I've heard a oh. lot about it though. Yeah. Taming Your Gremlin. I was like, what? So you had to like draw your gremlin. So I'll just do my own for a second. So the inner critic, the, the thoughts that I had, right. It was almost like a Jabba the Hutt character with like really cool glasses from like Monsters Inc. Like Roz smoking a cigarette. And she'd be like, Lisa, nobody thinks you're good. You got to do extra work, you know, work on weekends because you're just not even getting it all done by that. You know, this is like, that's what would show up in my head. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized like what that really was, was these are just thoughts coming in and out. These are just moments in time where I get to choose. Is that eh, true? Or mm-hmm. some sort of like, I, I finally realized that part of that was actually what would push me to work harder. So I would like tap into the gremlin for motivation, mm-hmm. which is really jacked up when you think about it. Like how is leaning into your gremlin motivating? It's like beating yourself up on levels that are not even necessary. I mean, the world's hard enough. Why do you got to go beat yourself up? Right. So um, that was my first experience. And I really think that executive coaching is a real part of this. I know in our, in our coaching engagements, we're constantly looking at, you know, heck, we have a free download, the four villains, every leader in tech faces mm-hmm. and how to ignite your superpowers. It's really based on the gremlins, mm-hmm. right? No good, Ned, um, Oliver Overwhelm, No Time Tina. Um, there's one more. I'll think about it in a second because we are cheeky with the names, but mm-hmm. there are some common gremlins that I think people have, especially as leaders in tech. I'm curious... Um, when I talk about this, just what shows up for you? What would you like to add to the conversation? Because I know you have a lot of true depth of experience here. And just because you haven't read that book, you've read thousands of other ones, right? I mean, you and I are readers. So what do you want to presence on that? Because I think it's important for people to understand that your gremlin is not there to motivate you. (laughs) There's a lot that comes up um, about that, that I could talk to, but the one thing that comes up, um, most it feels most relevant is I've learned to start conversations with my inner critic because typically they're trying to give me a message that I'm not listening to and so they're changing their dialogue to get my attention at a greater level because I'm just not paying attention and we oftentimes just want to push it away and so I've actually invited my inner critic in to say what are you really trying to say to me here or what message are you wanting me to receive? And what I've learned is those inner critics, those gremlins are really trying to protect me in some way. Mm-hmm. And being able to address those protective levels at a different, in a different way and opening up conversation with those, um, those inner dialogues has allowed me to surface a lot of the really deep things that are going on within me that I'm just not allowing the space to recognize. And so when I open up, I get to get to bring forth more um, awareness so mm-hmm. that I can, I can do things differently and have different dialogue with that part of myself or do something different to change how I interact with that protective measure, essentially. Mm. Okay, We're, I gotta double click on this so much. I'm going to plant a seed and then I'm probably going to go on a soapbox for a second. One of the, the, one of the questions I'm going to have for you is about practical things people can do to manage the overwhelm because you're a master at that. 
but I, I have to go here first because of what you just said, like viewing the gremlin as a protector or what, or your inner critic or your saboteur, like what are they trying to tell you? You know, um, last week you and I did a fireside chat with our clients and we had um, somatic coaches come in and talk about burnout and stress. And we, we gave our, our clients the gift of a stress scrub, right? And really, really moving it out of our body. And one of the things we talked about was burnout and how burnout is actually your body protecting you from death. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still like, burnout is protecting you from <laughs> death because I did. I was in the hospital, did the whole thing. And I'm like, I just thought it meant I was broken right back in the day. And I've mm-hmm. evolved and I've learned a lot and that it really is like the protective measure. It's like the animal that plays dead on the road. So you don't kill it. Like everything, your whole system shut down. Yeah. But I've never thought about the gremlin through this lens or the saboteur or the inner critic as a protective, I always just felt it was just there to like belittle or make you feel like shit or motivate, right? So this is so interesting to me. I think I have my own journey, my next evolution of my journey, just in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to presence my appreciation that perhaps um, there's more to the saboteurs, gremlins, and critics that we can lean into and look at. And so while I could name it and draw it and articulate even how it sounded, I never really asked it like, why are you here? I just wanted it to like, shut the F up and go away. For sure. Right. So like, oh, interesting. So I'm going to go do that homework. I have more to say on that, but I'd like to get really practical with people right now. Cause one of the things I know is you're a master at managing your workload, your input, your output, you are phenomenal. And one of the things that I'm always curious about is like, what are your secret apps or processes or questions, you know, what's in your toolkit for you to be so productive in this crazy world we're in? Um, we already know you're, you're scanning yourself and your presence with yourself, but what are some outside of your body things that you're using to help you stay productive? Um, this is a great question. A lot of it comes down to self-care and, um, for me, at least in something I've experienced with a lot of people I worked with is self-care feels like an over there thing that I can do later. Like I'll spend an hour on self-care after I'm done with this thing right now. And so I have tried to make self-care more accessible and do it more throughout the day so that I'm not like burnt out by the evening time. And so building in self-care practices throughout my day, doing six deep breaths, often um, just getting up and stretching, getting out of my chair and filling my water, simple things like that to make sure that I sustain my energy levels throughout the day and just making self-care much more accessible. And one of my mantras that I've been using a lot lately is there's just enough time because I before had go, go into the overwhelm of how am I going to get everything done? And so I just say to myself, there's just enough time to get everything done. And that has been a really great reframe to bring down my anxiety and help with that overwhelm because I say there's just enough time to get everything done. And that helps me from being caught in the overwhelm to move into the next thing. And then a lot of sometimes I will be overwhelmed with all the things that I'm not sure what thing to do next. And um, I'll be like, okay, I have 20 minutes right now. Just spend 20 minutes on one thing. Just pick it and do it and take action rather than continuing to think about it. So just making sure that I take that next step to create some sort of action. 
That's really interesting. So it's not like you have like a time management app or like a reminder or anything. You're literally just breaking things down, reframing the thoughts you're having, and then building in care for the human body you're in, whether it's stretching or drinking or breathing. Um, I definitely felt when I was on the road to burnout, I quit drinking because I didn't want to have to walk to the restroom. Like literally, I just stopped drinking. I'm like, I'll drink tonight. Water tonight. Like, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom. Like, what in the what is that? (laughs) And I also remember like living on coffee, which is not nutritious. Right. Right. And so I think it's being mindful of the choices we're making. (laughs) And I think one thing I'd love to presence if I can with you is we've done a lot of work together on even just designing and allowing time and space for the different events that we run and the the exercises that we do. What's something that we could, um, what's something that you could invite the leaders to think about even in just their meeting design? Because I know you've helped me help. Well, not even help me. You've, we've partnered together to really bring this forward um, within the engagements that we've done. And I think there's some common themes there, but I'd love to get your perspective on it as far as what can leaders do to build self-care into the meetings? Like how might they role model it and then invite that in to just be part of the process? I think there's there are a lot of resources available for that um, today as well. But I think, you know, inviting six deep breaths into the first part of your meeting or like pulling up a a quick guided visualization that people can do together. And it might be uncomfortable the first couple of times, but you can have a conversation right after it of and invite people to talk about how they feel after they take those few minutes to just pause and center and ground in that moment, um, as well as sharing appreciation. So like when the meeting is going to adjourn, make sure that three people say something they appreciated about another person in that meeting, inviting appreciation into meetings. And I also think that um, inviting space between meetings and inviting yourself as a leader, as well as your team to make sure you put space for yourself or time out of meetings on your calendar. So you can do things like go fill up your water or, um, you know, take care of yourself for a moment or do a brief breathing exercise. But I think mindfulness is a huge thing that we can invite into meetings of just taking two minutes to let everybody sit in silence or write down some thoughts or do what they need to do for two minutes before the meeting starts. And maybe even at the end of the meeting so they can capture notes or whatever they need to before they move on to their next thing. Mm -hmm. But just allowing time to be present, I think is such a gift for people today. I really appreciate that so much. I want to add to it because there's a couple things you do. So yes to everything Rochelle said. And (laughs) Rochelle also, whenever we have breaks, she puts up a nature like, um, do you find those on YouTube? Like, I don't even know what to describe. What do I call it? Like a screensaver. Yeah. There's a lot of YouTube videos that have music and nature videos. So I think that this is one thing that's, um, people can tap into right now. It's music and videos. And what I mean by that is like, let's just imagine the next team meeting you have, you have a a song playing that raises the energy. You've got nature background, right? And then you just invite everybody, Hey, you know, we've been really busy. Let's just take two minutes to breathe right? I mean, that alone, I think changes everything. Cause whenever we Mm -hmm. run a session and we do that, people like that felt good, right? That felt really, really good. And then the second thing I was thinking about that you and I do all the time too, is um, we, we specifically ask for the appreciation. So I think in the meeting itself, 
like building in, there's like a block there for appreciation. My daughter's school does triple A, appreciate, acknowledge, and apologize. So mm -hmm. every person does one A and they go Tell around the room. That. So every Friday, I'm like, what kind of A did you get this time? Right. And she's like, well, I apologize to so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so appreciated. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you could build that in, into your meeting itself. And that actually will give you the time back. Or if you're going to end at the time end with that, mm -hmm. get your notes, action items, and then go into triple A or whatever you want to be able to presence and bring forward appreciation. And as the leader go first. Yeah. Right? That's one thing we see all the time. When the leader goes first, people follow. Mm -hmm. um, I love this so much, Rochelle. So I want to talk about music for a second because I think, well, I know. Uh, from a neuroscience standpoint, the effects of music on our self-care, right? On our well-being, on our stress levels. And you're so good at picking songs. I know this is going to be such a hard question. For you. <laughs> it is so hard. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be like, really? <laughs> Give me a playlist. But I'd love to put your song into our playlist that is is two pronged it's either to raise your vibe or it's to actually help you be in a reflective state to actually think and get present with yourself so whatever song comes to mind i'd love to add what's what's your go-to song today because we know tomorrow will be different yeah uh, to raise my energy and to put me in a better mood i love good as hell by lizzo one of my favorites and i would say for reflective um anything by dj taz T-A-Z? Mm-hmm. E.J. Taz. Okay. Or anything by Rob Ricardo, I love as well. So tell me good as hell. Why does that one work for you? What is it about it? Um, it's the beat. It's, you can sing along, you can dance. I love to mm -hmm. dance. And so to get up and to dance to that song, and it's just like a, an elevating song for me. Let's put your hands up. Yeah. <laughs> feel good as hell. Like that's the part I know. Yeah. yeah. I already feel better doing it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Sometimes you just think about the song and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And then DJ Taz and Rob Ricardo. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is it about them? Um, Rob Ricardo is a lot of like um, aspirational messages. He has a song called Let It Breathe that like really helps you deep breathe during the song. And they're very like calm and uplifting songs. And I just wanted to make sure I got that. So it's DJ Taj Rashid, R-A-S-H-I-D. Awesome. Yep. Um, he has beautiful instrumental reflective music. So we just gave them a meeting design the music to go with it. You can find it in nature you want on YouTube. And if you as the leader are too busy to do this, delegate it. Someone's going to love this activity, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. find it. Pick the song, set the tone. You can rotate this on your team. The next meeting, someone else does it. But imagine what's possible when you bring in all the senses into your meetings. I mean, I love this, Rochelle. So good as hell. DJ Taz Rashid and Rob Ricardo are going on the list. I love that you had three so people can leverage them. So listen, I know people know how to find you with RLD group because we do so much together, but you also have your own business too. And I want to make sure we really let people know how to find you through your own lane. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, probably through my website. It's just rochellenieman.com. Okay. And if you could ask one question of the listener today, an invitation as we're wrapping this up now, we've talked about a lot. So I'm going to give you a second to really process, right? We've talked about being mindful all day, integrating your humanness into work, really looking at different ways you can be centered, how to calm the critic in your head, what the critic might be actually saying to you, how to design your meetings for more 
um, engagement and connection, the power of questions. Like we've gone really deep on so many levels. What's based on all that informing your own um, intuitive knowledge right now, like what's the question or the double dog dare we'd like you want to give the audience today? I think I have two. Okay, I love it. <laughs> and so the first one is consider what's at risk if you consider your normal operating procedure as it is today. What's at stake there? And secondly, is how might you implement a practice to catch yourself and others doing things right? Dang. <laughs> okay. Consider what's at risk or at stake if you continue in the operating system that you're running and how might you implement a system to notice when things are right or catch people doing things right. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. That's a freaking double dog dare if I ever heard one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. So here's the deal, everybody. That is your double dog dare. Rochelle, what's in it for them if they think about those two questions? What's on the other side of that? Yeah, I think determining what's at risk can be motivating to say, you know, like, oh, wow, if I continue this 10 years from now, this is where I could be. And then like reframing, how can we change that trajectory to something that I want to create the outcome I'm desiring. And with the catching people doing things right, we're in such a state of judgment these days, especially we're so polarized right now. And it's always they're doing this, that person's not doing it how I would. And so when we reframe our brain to start thinking about what's going well in the world or seeing things that people do are they're doing it right, especially with ourselves, like, oh, hey, I appreciated that I showed up that way today or I appreciated or I'm proud of that I did this today. We can reframe judgment and change that lens to be appreciative or positive um, in a way. So I think reframing that changes our energy, changes how we show up. It changes the thing we're looking for out in the world. And so we can see more good in the world than focusing on the bad. Mm. Well, we talk about rebooting mindset, leadership skills, stress levels. And if that's not a reboot, you just gave two questions and a double dog dare to reboot operating systems. Mm -hmm. What a gift for control out delete. Uh, Rochelle, if I could just presence my appreciation publicly, because I know I, you know, I leave you Voxers and WhatsApps all the time, but <laughs> RLD group is stronger because of you. Um, our clients are benefiting because of you. Uh, my family is more cohesive because of you. Like what you bring to everything, every project we work on, every client engagement we do, you bringing your heart, your soul, your skills, and your presence um, is such a huge gift. I just want to say thank you. It means the world to me to partner with you and to do this work together. And you want to go to RochelleNeiman.com, everybody. You don't want to miss out. She's got amazing, amazing resources right there. And don't be surprised when you see her with RLD group, because we do lots of stuff together too. Yeah. Thank you, Rochelle. I'm very grateful for you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. This, um, this work has been a blessing and an invitation for me to become my future self. And it's, it's a pleasure to work with you and support the team and the clients that you're supporting. And I'm, I'm deeply inspired by the work being done at RLD group. So it's, it's mutual for sure. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm going to go look for the good because I'm looking at it in Rochelle, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. go look for what's at risk. If I keep doing some of the things that I know I shouldn't be doing. And uh, I accept the double dog dare. 
Thanks for being on Control. I'll delete everybody. Rochelle Neiman, thank you for being our guest. And everyone, make it a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Control-All-Delete with Lisa Dury. Head on over to wherever you find your other favorite podcasts and subscribe to Control-All-Delete with Lisa Dury. Leave a review with some of that five-star love. And let's keep it real. There's a reason why you're listening to this. If you don't get the support you need and start making changes in your life and work as a leader in tech, you can expect regret and burnout in the near future. Lisa and the team at RLD Group have been in your shoes, sat in those meetings, and experienced everything you can imagine as a leader in tech. They can help you get kick-ass results at work without burning out, so you can be present for the moments that matter to you and your loved ones. Take your first step by visiting rldgroupllc.com. RLD Group helps develop technical experts lacking people leadership skills from being a company's biggest liability into their greatest asset. Find out more at rldgroupllc.com. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time on Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury, powered by RLD Group, as we help you reboot your leadership drive.